Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Well, hello again, everybody. It is time for another edition of the Blue Gold Report podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rags. Going to bring in my partner, Todd Burledge from Blue Gold Illustrated here in a second. I want to remind you, uh, wherever you found this podcast or show, make sure you share us, rate us, and review us. And as always, we are brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Uh, and we are in the top five now. 6-0 and Notre Dame football uh, heading back home after a pretty impressive win on the road in in hostile territory. Now they come back to the friendly confines of Notre Dame Stadium and have a pretty old nemesis back in town with Pitt, and we'll see how that's going to shape up. Lots to talk about, including the resurgence of Dexter Williams in the background. Uh, what's the mood of the team as BK and uh, is, again, almost in familiar territory that we've seen in the past, but now 6-0, and and some are looking at the schedule and saying they might be over the proverbial hump here, but we're going to talk about the rest of what's down the road with us as well. But let's bring him in right now. Uh, it is uh, the head writer for Notre Dame Sports at Blue Goal Illustrated, our good buddy Todd Burlage. Todd, uh, a pretty impressive six and O team here. The flaws are going away week by week. Yeah, I know, and, and uh, we're going to get into it a little bit. But certainly now finishing teams off. I know that was on Brian Kelly's wish list, and after this impressive win over Virginia Tech, ESPN now has the gives the Irish a sixty percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, it's almost like can they uh can they handle the prosperity because everybody is now right. on the Notre Dame bandwagon from well they went out they're in they went out they're in they went out they're in. That's all fine and dandy, but we've been here before, Todd, and uh not with this new playoff system, but way back when, you know, they had to win out and they found a way to win out and went undefeated. But ever since then, with the new playoffs, there's always that hurdle that they just can't get over, and that people are saying this Virginia Tech game was the hurdle, but I still see Syracuse on that schedule. I still see they're going to be feisty. I still see USC. If USC is playing to knock Notre Dame out of the playoffs, they are going to show up on that last weekend of the season. <laughs> you can count on that, that's for sure, and that has been a house of horrors out west for Notre Dame. All right, we're going to break down that Virginia Tech game, uh, another impressive win, especially in the second half. But as we start out every show, we let Todd give us blue gold nuggets. What do you got for us? All right, here we go. The uh, midseason Bobby Dodd, Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year watch list came out, and Brian Kelly is one of 17 FBS Division One coaches on that list. Um, this is not just on-field success, but it also encompasses academic, how your team's doing academically, and just high character within your team as well. So I, I think this season Brian Kelly has a fighting chance at this thing. Uh, again, he's one of 17 finalists. Uh, Stanford's David Shaw won it last year. Notre Dame hockey opens play. As a matter of fact, they're going to be open. As we record this, they're going to be opening shortly here. Um, this is a four-team tournament out in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's called the Icebreaker Tournament. And Notre Dame will play the host school, Mercyhurst. Uh, in the opening round, and then either the consolation game or the championship game, they will play the winner of Providence and Miami of Ohio. If you couldn't tell there, I couldn't find it there. <laughs> so, uh, but I tracked it down at, at crunch time. So something to watch there this weekend, and then they'll start into their regular season here starting next week with a trip to Nebraska-Omaha. A unanimous All-American defensive tackle from back in the day, from 1972, Greg Marks. Uh, he passed away this week. 
Uh, he died at the age of 68. He was a three-year starter, nice player way back when, uh, from what I can gather. Oh, I, I don't remember him, obviously, but uh, he was a three-year starter here, had 263 total tackles. He was also a two-time Academics All-American. Uh, he was a native of Detroit. And you know what? The injury list is starting to build a little bit here, Rags. I'm glad we blocked out a little time for this. Uh, first and foremost, Alex Bars, uh, Notre Dame's offensive guard. He had his surgery this week to repair the ligaments in his ACL and MCL. That was his left knee there. Uh, everything seems to be systems go for him to be okay for by draft time in April. Don't know if this will hurt his draft stock or not. He was projected as a first-rounder. We'll see if, have to see if that holds up. Defensive end, Dalen Hayes, who missed the Virginia Tech game after suffering a stinger, kind of had some lingering effects of that. He's back and ready to go this week, so that's good news. That's kind of a scary injury. I, I think, I think uh, we all would agree on that, but he seems to be back and ready to go. One to watch here. One to watch here this week against Pitt is Troy Pride, the cornerback, the, the fine cornerback for Notre Dame. He sprained his ankle against Virginia Tech and has been a little bit hobbled this week in practice. Brian Kelly's kind of riding the fence on this. He's calling him probable, but I think even if he does play, it's going to be somewhat limited. I think we're going to get a heavy dose this week of junior Dante Vaughn at that cornerback position. Jafar Armstrong, he actually spent six days in the hospital getting that infection uh, taken care of. They actually had to drain his knee, and they just kept him in the hospital for six days to go through that procedure. Kind of scary stuff. He that They've got it all taken care of. There's no infection now, but he does have to kind of work that knee out. Brian Kelly kept talking about range of motion work. Uh, so the running back, probably after the bye week. Uh, again, he's not on the depth chart this week, but Brian Kelly hopes that perhaps the Navy game after the bye week, he will return. Uh, Fort Wayne native Drew Tranquil, he played uh, with a cast on his broken left hand. Hurt him a little bit against Virginia Tech. He missed a few tackles that you're not used to seeing him miss. Still played a great game. He was all, absolutely all over the field. But it did slow him a little bit. Brian Kelly said as he gets more accustomed to playing with that cast, he's going to be ready to go. And finally, Tony Jones Jr., another running back. That na- nagging ankle injury seems to be healing nicely. Still not going to be 100% this week. But again, by the time the bye week is over next week for Navy, Brian Kelly thinks he will be 100%. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Uh, and, you know, let's talk about this Virginia Tech game. A uh, couple weeks ago, uh, they, they had the formula Dexter Williams, Miles Boykin, 305 combined yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. This weekend, right. 10 yards short, 295 combined yards, but five touchdowns. So there's the formula three headed monster, Book, Williams, and Boykin right now. It is working big time, Todd. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, if you watch the game, you know, Virginia Tech made a little run there and made it 17-16 at halftime uh, and then actually had the ball in the second half, drove it into Notre Dame territory, pinned him at the five, threw Dexter Williams for a two-yard loss, and then Williams busted one off for 97 yards uh, for a touchdown. Um, that, that was pretty fascinating because, let's see, it was the second longest run from scrimmage in school history. Um, if you remember three years ago when Josh Adams was a freshman, he ripped off a 98-yarder. Um, and it's actually the third since Brian Kelly's been coaching uh, where he's had a 90-plus. C.J. Procise had a 91-yarder in 2015. That was the turning point in the game, in my opinion, Dexter Williams' run there. Um, that changed the momentum. It changed everything in this game. And so that was something to watch. That sort of sparked a 28-7 to second half for Notre Dame. But, yeah, this guy's getting it done big time. Another 16 carries, uh, what was it, uh, 178 yards, three TDs. Dexter Williams getting it done, man. And then you add Miles Borkins, eight for 117 and two touchdowns. It seemed like a big play kind of second half is like, 
They, they they were getting lulled to sleep, and boom, Dexter Williams. Right. They getting lulled to sleep again, and then boom, Miles Boykin. So they caught a couple of huge breaks, breaking two big plays that really put the game away for them. You know, they, they were being pesky there, the, the Hokies were, for a little bit. And then Notre Dame used the big plays, used their tough defense, and, and really put it away, put them to sleep. And like you said at the, the start of the show, finding ways to step on the throat of teams in the fourth quarter. Yeah, what was interesting is that, uh, and, and Brian Kelly was right, he, and we're, we'll plug this in here. He was asked, I, I was a little bit surprised, but he was really disappointed in the team's play in the first half. Kind of see as I sort of reviewed it where he's coming from. But here's Brian Kelly assessing, and I was surprised. You're 6-0, you're rolling along here, and, and you're, you're winning tough games on the road. Maybe that speaks to the bar that Brian Kelly has put in this team, because here he is talking about how disappointed he was with the start of the game. Well, they have a, a standard uh, we all have a standard within these walls of the kind of play. To be the best defense, um, to be the best offense, you set a standard. And, and, and we're able to visually show them what that standard looks like because they've set it by, by the kind of play that they've had at times. So when they can visually see that and then you take clips from the game this past week and show them uh, what it looks like when they don't, um, it's, it's easy to be critical of, of where they are. Um, they're still winning football games. They're still showing resolve. They're still doing a lot of really good things. But it's nice to know that after six weeks uh, that there's still you know, plenty of room for growth. Yeah, and it helps them uh, have those coachable moments to keep uh, on their you-know-what butts, you know, Todd, sure. just to make sure they stay focused. And, and that focus is showing when they're putting teams away. And you've got, uh, you know, 28-7 to versus Virginia Tech, 17-3 and to versus Stanford. That is putting teams away and making yeah, it no good, doubt, making it no doubt yeah. in the second half. Yeah, a couple good second halves there for sure, back-to-back. And that was something that Brian Kelly was really – he emphasized during the preseason because that's something Notre Dame has not done. No. I mean, we can go go we can go back to I don't know how many games where they've been up, let teams get back in. Obviously the Wake Forest game from last year really sticks out to me, but there have been it's a long list of those types of games. So to see Notre Dame doing this, especially against a couple ranked teams, a couple good teams, I think that's very encouraging. Um and actually Brian Kelly talked about just how encouraged he is by that. Well, certainly the last two weeks we've done a really nice job of that. I think something is is in the the ability to complement your defense. And, and offensively, we're scoring some points. Uh, we weren't doing that earlier in the season in the second half. So, uh, you know, sometimes we make a little bit too much. I think we're just we're we're playing a little bit better on both sides of the ball. We can play better as a unit, uh, offensively and defensively together for four quarters um we've been we were a little spotty obviously on saturday you know where we had a, a good run offensively and then maybe not such a good run on defensively you know it'd be nice to put it all together we've got some room for growth there um but i think more than anything else this putting po- opponents away is much more about our guys are in really good you know physical conditioning they can play all day uh, I think we're scoring some points in the second half that we weren't earlier in the year. And you're getting uh, some big-time performances in the second half as well as you look at 10.5 right. uh, yards per carry for Dexter Williams. You know, let's talk about maybe some unsung heroes here, Todd, because you know the obvious heroes on offense are all there. Ian sure. Book playing solid again, 25-35, 271, two TDs. He did have a pick, and then you had the Boykin and uh, Williams connection. And Love's interception was huge, but how about the play and getting a pass rush for Khalid Kareem? 
Yeah, he did a great job. And you mentioned Julian Love. Kareem's the one that actually was on the strip sack, forced the fumble uh, that Julian Love picked up and went 41 yards with for a touchdown. So that was a huge play, too. I actually put that one right up there with the Dexter Williams play because his Notre Dame was muddling along a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you can get your defense to score like that, that flips momentum as well. And that was a first-half touchdown and a big one. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Justin Hume, yep. six for six on point after attempts and uh, one for one on his field goal. He gave him nine points for the game, 322 for his career, which now makes him Notre Dame's all-time leading scorer. And he now he passed. Uh, go, go ahead, ahead Greg. No, I was just going to say, now he could tag on. Now he could just keep adding to it. <laughs> yeah, plenty of games left, right? Yeah, he broke out Pinkett's record uh, of 320, so good for Justin Hume. Congratulations to him. Rags, I just love what this offense is doing under Ian Book, and it's pretty striking um, when you're looking at it. Uh, 46.3 points a game in Book's three starts, and I, and, I, and I think this is a good time to compare it because you look at Wimbush, it was just about half of that. It was 23.3 points per game under Brandon Wimbush. So that is almost doubled. And I think it's notable because actually I did a column for Blue and Gold Illustrated this week on how everybody says defense wins championships. Well, you know what? A good offense isn't a bad plan B. Um, the four, since the playoffs started, the four national title winners have averaged 37 points in that championship game and 41 points in the semifinal. So you better be able to score some points, Rags. And you look at the teams that are up top. They can all put yes. up points. Georgia, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, they're all scoring a ton of points. Uh, well, it, let me throw this at you, Rags. Uh, the, the four teams that have played in multiple Playoffs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alabama's been in all four. Clemson's been in three. Ohio State's been in two. And Oklahoma's been in two. Those four teams this season are averaging 58.8 points a game. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. So there you have it. Well, as in Alabama, they're, I think they're averaging the point of different, uh, differentials, like over 60 points in their wins. It's just crazy what they're doing. And they don't, it doesn't matter what quarterback is playing for them. So it is scary. And you are right. It, it, to me, Todd, what, what I, is it Wimbush not getting it or Book? Just gets it, and I can't figure because they were winning with Wimbush. They weren't doing it in in you know uh, really aggressive and high style uh, uh, style points. But is it just that Book has the it factor more than Wimbush does? Well, let's put it this way: Ian Book is average. His completion percentage is seventy three point three percent. Okay, that would shatter the the single season record um, that's held by Jimmy Clausen. Actually, his junior year in two thousand nine, he completed sixty eight percent of his passes. I think it's just that Book gets it. You know what? As a matter of fact, after three games, Rags, do you remember who you were complaining about as receivers? You were saying, where is Alizé Mack? Yep. Okay, where, where, where's Miles Boykin? Well, guess what? Here they are. You know, you mentioned Boykin, Alizé Mack. He added six catches uh, for a bunch of yards, too. So uh, how many yards, actually? I have it right here in front of me. 39 yards. So not, not, you know, not a huge average there, but still a lot of third-down conversions, those types of things. So... I think when you look at the way Book spreads it around, does things, keeps us cool, that was something that Brandon Wimbush was not doing. No, and you get huge targets with Claypool and Jones that Wimbush was not using at all. So that's quite obvious. And the emergence of Dexter Williams now just makes one yeah. wonder. Uh, you know, it, it's we were talking about this running back position for how long in the preseason, whether it be Tony Jones Jr. Uh, or Dexter Williams, uh, you know, it just it, it keeps going rolling along, and you have someone that you want to attribute a lot of the credit to for Dexter Williams for getting it on track. Because here's a guy they could have lost, they could have lost him just in mentally for good, and it seems like something clicked, Todd, and now mm-hmm. he's recommitted to the program. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and Dexter Williams, just to give you how you know in, in two games what he's doing, 
In two games, he's already become Notre Dame's leading rusher. Um, he's had 38 carries, which is interesting because it's 21 against Stanford, 17 then against Virginia Tech. He had never carried the ball more than eight times in any single game in his career. Uh, he has 339 total yards. Okay, obviously he hasn't played enough games to qualify for NCAA statistics, uh, but his 169.5 per game average would rank him second in the country behind Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, uh, who has a slender uh, .3 uh, advantage over Williams at 169.8. And then Williams, 8.9 yards per carry would be third uh, in, in the country. So I think we have to talk about Autry Denson, and I wanted to bring him up because think about everything that's been thrown at him. I mean, go to the preseason when, when uh, C.J. Holmes and, and Deion McIntosh were kicked off the team. Josh Adams, he leaves early. So, that, so you have that dynamic, too. So you lose three running backs out of your stable, and then Dexter Williams is, is suspended for the first four games of the season. In Notre Dame's six games, Dexter Williams has now been the leading rusher twice, Jafar Armstrong twice, and Tony Jones Jr. twice. So he's getting the most out of these guys, and I think it's very impressive. And I was glad somebody asked about Autry Denson because Brian Kelly had some high praise and talks about how he survived given all sort of the turmoil in that position group. Well, Autry's had to, you know, adjust uh, to a number of different factors in there with, uh, uh, you know, a quarterback and Avery Davis who was moved there, Jafar Armstrong who was a wide receiver, uh, Dexter who wasn't around for the first four weeks, um, you know, Tony Jones who was banged up. So I think what it says a lot about Autry is, uh, just his his ability to uh, stay um, calm under n- not an easy circumstance, right? It's it's not the same group of guys every week. He's he's had to go in there and and reshuffle the deck each and every week. Uh, I think it takes uh, an extraordinary coach and teacher to stay on task each and every week when it's somebody new and. He's, we know that about him. Um, he's, uh, he's been through it himself as a player here. He knows what it's like, and uh, he's been able to do a great job with that room of getting the players ready that are available to him. You know what else, too, Todd, with Dexter Williams is it allows them to take their time on Armstrong with this little wacky kind of injury that could, could be a little mm-hmm. stingy, and they don't sure. have to rush him back so much, and they can say, hey, we've got a bye week on the way. Let, right. w- w- he's playing real well. Let's just take our time because it could get a little sketchy with that kind of injury. No doubt about it. Yeah, you have to be really careful with that, and I think Notre Dame is. It's unfortunate because he was really doing putting a nice season together. Um and Tony Jones Jr., we mentioned him in uh, during yeah. the injury report, that ankle's been nagging him. So it's nice that Dexter Williams has been able to be a workhorse type of back because Brian Kelly admitted it. He didn't know if he was. I, I mentioned it last week before the Stanford game. Brian Kelly said we were expecting 8, 10 carries perhaps from Dexter Williams. He ended up getting 21, and he's holding up well, and that's good news. And I think this bye week for Notre Dame couldn't come at a better time after this pit game if they can survive this pit game. All right, let's talk about surviving this pit game because they're putting teams away per game. Now they need to put seasons away now, Todd, because this is the sure. this is where we talk about it time in and time out about the second half of seasons, and especially in November, Notre Dame getting to the point of putting their uh, foot down on someone's throat. And Pitt is one of these teams, you know, if you look back the last couple of years, they've been pesky. They knocked Miami's undefeated season out. They knocked Clemson's undefeated season out two years ago. So they're used to spoiling people's uh, time, especially on the road here, Todd. Could be a little scary, and we know how Notre Dame handles being three touchdown favorites at home. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, especially under Brandon Wimbush, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you make some good points. I wish I could remember what year. I should have looked it up. I just was running out of time during my show prep. But I also remember Pitt doing up West Virginia. I when do West remember Virginia that. Yeah. was riding high. Um, that was several years ago. But, yeah, that game was actually at Clemson in 2016. Yep. Um, and they took him down, and that was pretty. Uh, that was a pretty impressive stuff, be- mainly because Clemson went on to win the national championship that year. And then you mentioned Miami last season. So these are the kind of games that Pitt has thrived in, and Notre Dame has fallen victim to Pitt a couple times. Um, I remember 2013; it looked like Notre Dame had him down, and then Pitt ends up coming back and doing Notre Dame up and beating them. So it's been a little bit of a pesky opponent. It's been a very frequent opponent, as a matter of fact. Uh, They've played Pitt more times than... Uh, there's only four other teams that Notre Dame has played more than Pitt. We don't see it as much anymore, but this was an annual game way back in the day. And, and so uh, this, this is a bit of a rivalry. We don't think of it in those terms because they don't play every year like they used to. But this was a proud rivalry back in the day for sure. And, and Pitt's Henry, you know what, uh, just from the giant killer standpoint, but boy, statistically, it, nothing jumps out at you. Know, 105th in total offense. Uh, 195th in total defense, 99th in scoring defense. They're giving up 32.8 points a game. Uh, they're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, They did have a really nice win last week over Syracuse, a 44-37 win. I thought that might jumpstart them a little bit. Um, you, you, you know, we mentioned they, they were 5-7. and seven. Uh, Pat Narduzzi, he's, he's, the, he's the head coach here. He's in his fourth season. He started out like gangbusters. They were really high on him. Uh, he came in in 2015, went 8-4. and four. 2000, and, and he took a program that was left for dead, man. He took over a program that was left for dead. Uh, went eight and four and fifteen, eight and four and sixteen. But then, even with that big win over Miami, finished only five and seven last year. And now he's three and three, so he's a little bit on the hot seat. Brian Kelly has some familiarity with him because he was the defensive coordinator uh, up under D'Antonio up at Michigan State for years. And it's interesting. Uh, somehow they benefit from an earlier start to the day too, because. Uh, one thing that one thing that'll change now is the weather. It's going to be a little cooler, so a lot less right. time at night. I mean, you know, three thirty to two thirty, you wouldn't think would matter too much, but we're going to start with temperatures in the fifties and and get progressively colder. So that might change a game plan or two as well. Nothing out of control, but still, it'll be the first time this year that they're dealing with perhaps a little colder weather. Yeah, the days are getting shorter, man. You can <laughs> you can you can look out the window and start to feel it now for sure. It finally feels like football weather, but yeah, you, you know, I, I just this is really one of those games. And Brian Kelly talked about it. We can pop him in here. If Notre Dame just does its thing, they're going to be fine in this game. Notre Dame has to just kind of stick to what it's doing. Don't turn the ball over. I know it's cliche, as you know what, but you know, just all the things that Notre Dame is doing, continue to do. Don't look to the bye. Don't look back at the Virginia Tech win. Just stay in the moment. Do what you got, do what you got to do, and you're going to be fine. And here's Brian Kelly breaking it down a little bit. We're not pleased with the way we played for four quarters last week, and uh, you know our emphasis will be on uh, our performance and, and playing much better. We didn't play with enough passion at times in, in that game, and uh, you know I think one of the things that we talked about is that you know that. That wasn't our best performance in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and we have to play with uh, more energy. We have to play with, um, you know, more passion. Uh, and, and that is, that is going to be the emphasis uh, this week in terms of how we, we need to play against Pittsburgh. So, you know, this, this is really about going back to the practice field, 
um, having much more of a focus on how we prepare. Uh, we have a great deal of respect for Pittsburgh and how they'll come out to play us. We know that this is a big game for them. But for us, it's important that, that uh, we play at a higher level uh, this weekend. It's interesting, Todd. You look at the six remaining games, and I looked at the stats. You want to look at analytics here. Their lowest mm-hmm. win probability of their six remaining opponents is 69.8% versus USC. That are, those are pretty good odds to win out, and it's got to start with Pitt taking care of business at home. Well, I think by securing the Virginia Tech win, and, and we mentioned it, and I think there's still some merit to it depending on how Virginia Tech finishes that was the only game that Notre Dame could lose and perhaps absorb and still make it to the playoffs. Okay, so they survived that one. None of these last six, if they lose any of these last six, nope. they're going to be on the outside looking in. They really are. So I don't know if Brian Kelly's relaying that to his team, but these are smart guys. <laughs> they can kind of figure that out on their own. So so the, the challenge now is one game at a time. And I, and I know I'm going all kind of cliche today, but I think it's very, very important to remember that and it starts now. You can't look to that by. And this is finals week, so hopefully the kids were able to suck it up and still get their football prep in. Um, but but you, you know, there's there's there are no mulligans now. Notre Dame has played its way. Stanford, uh, perhaps Michigan, Virginia Tech. Those were the three mulligans that you might have got. There ain't any left. And you look at the the top heavy AP top twenty five. There aren't many losses up there either. So exactly ab- absorbing a loss could these are all do or die games. Which is when you're independent like this, you don't have that last week of the season to lean on a uh, Todd that championship game. So that makes it even more important to uh, not take take on a loss because you won't have a game to win a title to make it up. Notre Dame is already in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. You are They're all do or dies now. That's right. They're all must-win situations. And you know who's benefiting the most from this is Michigan because now they get to hang around, and if they can somehow find a way to beat Ohio State, that lost opening season with Notre Dame being undefeated, they mm-hmm. can linger, and uh, Harbaugh is in a pretty good position himself, you know. Yeah, oh, he's. A, I'm sure he's a big Notre Dame fan, <laughs> at least for the time being. Now, that Correct. may change. That may change up the line, but uh, I would think if Michigan could win out and become the Big Ten uh, title holder with a win over Ohio State, they're going to have to be in the conversation. Well, there's a big game for them this week, too. They've got Wisconsin to deal with uh, in, in uh, Ann Arbor, so it should be a fun game up there. All right, Todd, let's take a look at it. We'll, we'll, go, we'll do our bold predictions here. I guess for me is whether or not they'll cover. I think they're going to win for sure. Will they cover those 21 points? I say yes. I see 38 to eh, 10. All right. (laughs) We have the 10 in common. We have the 10 in common, as a matter of fact. You know what, Rags? We're at the halfway point of the season here, uh, the midway point, uh, six in, six to go. And I can honestly say with full confidence that this is Brian Kelly's best team since he's been here. It, it may not the defense may not be as dominant as it was in 2012. Uh, the offense, especially in the passing game, when when you had Kaiser throwing to Fuller, a couple a uh, couple NFL guys there, including a first rounder in Fuller. Perhaps you don't have that big playability yet, although it's starting to come around. I think we'd both agree. And then you know, and then perhaps. The running game won't live up to what happened last year with Josh Adams for most of the season. But I think when you, in its totality, I honestly think this is easily Brian Kelly's best team. And certainly there's more to come. He's playing a lot of freshmen and everything else. So uh, when you talk about maybe a late bloomer as a college football coach, I, I think perhaps there's a comparison with Mike Bray, the Notre Dame basketball coach, because I love the direction of this program. 
I think Notre Dame pulls another blowout. I really do. I think they go to their bye week after a 49-10 win over Pitt. Here we go, Lane. All these accolades on them. Just when mm-hmm. things, just when things it's can go wrong. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> all right, Todd, we'll do it all over again next week. Let's hope we're laying more accolades on. Don't forget, stick around. Fighting Irish Preview coming up next with our good buddies uh, Phil Hauk and P- Tim Priester. They'll, uh, they'll expand on the situation heading into Saturday's game. And wherever you found the podcast, make sure you rate and review us. Todd, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Rex. And as always, the Blue Gold Report podcast brought to you by D.L. McCombs, D.L. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.